If you would turn in your Bibles to Proverbs, the second chapter. As you know, this is the Sunday that we set aside each year, the end of the service, to observe and congratulate and rejoice with our seniors who have graduated. And I remember when I graduated, and it's a very exciting time. It's a transitional time. It's like in, in some ways that your, your mind has a door open to where you wonder what's next and you try to get a plan for what's next. And so I would just caution you, the seniors, that it is a time of temptation because you have more freedom and you have more opportunity than you have had before, especially if you're going away to school or, or whatever the case may be. But also, this message is not just for our graduating seniors, okay? This is for all of us. And I want to introduce you to two dangerous people this morning. I want to introduce you to two dangerous people. And those two people are the evil man and the strange woman. That's what the Word of God uses to describe two general categories of dangerous people. Let's read in Proverbs, the second chapter, and we'll begin reading in verse 10. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things. That's not a misspelling. It's not supposed to be forward. It's froward. And we would basically say backwards today. Who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and they froward in their paths. Notice how that word froward continues to recur. Verse 16, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the God of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God, for her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. None that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. The book of Proverbs, best I can tell, contains over a hundred practical topics from managing money to marriage, from how to have friends to flattery, as we see here, from, from government to generosity, being generous and giving. There's over a hundred topics that Proverbs covers. So I don't think there's anyone under the sound of my voice or the maybe that listens to this podcast later that could say, well, the Bible just doesn't have any application to anything that's going on in my life. It has more application to what's going on in your life than anything that is out there in the world today. I want you to understand whatever issue that you're dealing with, whatever subject that you struggle with, Satan wants you to think that there's no answer, there's no hope, there's no way to deal with that because, you know, it's just an enigma, it's just an anomaly. Nothing like this has ever happened to anybody. Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. What that means is there's no issue that you can come up with that the Word of God doesn't address. And it's interesting that it begins by telling us two general categories, if you will, two general categories of people to avoid. 
And that is the, the evil man and the strange woman. And you could really interchange that. You could say the strange man and the evil woman. It's basically interchangeable. But let's look at the strange man, the evil man. And then let's look at the strange woman, the evil woman. And hopefully, as you go out into your daily lives, and again, this is more than just to our graduating seniors, but maybe you'll recognize these type of characteristics because the whole purpose is to avoid the trouble and the trials and the tragedy that comes with associating with these type of individuals. They are very dangerous. Make no mistake. Notice he says that when you have wisdom, when wisdom sinks in with you, when you finally go, aha, you have that aha moment and you realize this applies to me. I have been there myself. That's something that changed my life when I understood that the promises of God, in addition to the promises of eternal life, they apply to me. And when you realize the wisdom of God that's in here, it applies to you and where you go and what you do and what you look at and where you work and where you live and who you marry. When you see that, it is amazing. It's overwhelming that you would think God really cares about me. And discretion will preserve you when it sinks in. When you go, ah, aha, this applies to me. And it says the purpose of it, one of the purposes, is to deliver thee from the way of the evil man. Now, evil here just means bad or harmful, wrong. It's also used in the Bible to describe men or women of Baal or Belial. Okay, Belial is a word in here that is associated with Baal. And Belial just basically means worthless. It means worthless. It means depraved, debauched worthless. And if you'll notice here, as we look at seven characteristics that are given of the evil man, you know, seven is the number of perfection. And you know what I get out of that? That this man is perfectly evil. And look, it doesn't mean that this person may not be a child of God. There are circumstances where children of God get off track. Did y'all know that? There's children of God get off track and they bear these characteristics and they can repent and come back from those things. Praise God. All of God's children in some way or another have come back from some of these characteristics. So understand, this is a worthless way to live. So watch this. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man. Evil, as I said, means bad. And I want you to notice it says that he, from, it says from the man that speaketh froward, things. The first characteristic that we have about this man, this evil man, is the way that he talks. And he speaks in a froward way, a backwards way. It doesn't mean that he says his words backwards, okay? That'd be very noticeable, wouldn't it? But it means, as the, as the psalm says, the wicked are clothed with cursing. One of the easiest ways to identify the evil man is he cannot control his tongue, he cannot keep himself from using foul language. Okay, y'all understand that in that one statement from the Word of God that you, all of you who I know you have it on your playlist and your song list right now, all of you just eliminated rap music. You understand that? I'm not just picking on rap music, but for whatever reason, that type of hip-hop rap music has, has keyed in on the flesh of man and has become the most popular music in the world. Did you know that? It has become the most popular form of so-called music in the world. 
It's, it's really not music. It's really just debauchery with a beat behind it. Okay, listen, I'm not, you know, I'm not, it's not my crusade to destroy and take down hip-hop music or rap music. But it is my crusade by the inspiration of God to point out what is good and what is bad. And I don't care if it is hip-hop music or or country music that curses in it or talks about drinking or carrying on. All of those things would come under the category of the evil man, all right? So when you hear the cursing and the, the innuendo and the degrading of women and the degrading of, uh, of the, uh, the relationships that go on between men and women, you can just look at that and say, that's evil. It's evil. So you can take that off your playlist. I know Brother Furman's got it on his playlist, I'm sure, you know. <laughs> Take that off your playlist because it's evil. That's a no-brainer right there. Okay? Now, being froward is more than just cursing. You know, it is lying, too. It's lying. Proverbs 13 and 5 says, A righteous man hateth lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and cometh to shame. Somebody that has embraced the wisdom of God has embraced truth. You see, truth in general for the Word of God, true from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. But on top of that, not only have they embraced the truth of God, but they have embraced the the act of telling the truth in their lives. A righteous man hates lying. He hates lying. How's the old saying go? I know I'm probably going to butcher it, but they said, you know, so-and-so would climb a tree to tell a lie, but wouldn't stand on the ground flat-footed to tell the truth. Y'all heard that saying before? There's people like that, that they just thrive on telling a lie. And the more lies you tell, the more entangled everything becomes, and the more lies you have to tell on top of lies, until guess what? Everything just kind of falls apart, and you're just back down to the level of the truth again. Truth's going to come out anyway. A righteous man loves the truth and he hates lying. And the speech of the wicked man is to lie. He thrives on a lie. Notice it says, it says, the man that speaketh froward things. Now I'm just touching on these things. You can do your own study and dig into these things and find more characteristics about the wicked man, the evil man, than just cursing and just lying. Those are just a couple things we're touching on. It, it may astonish you. You know, what, you know what might happen? You might begin to look at that and dig into it. it just as me touching on the, the, the tip of the iceberg, and you begin to look and you say, oh my goodness, it's pretty clear that I bear some of these characteristics, and I need to repent of having these type of characteristics. It gives you insight. So the wicked man, the evil man, he speaks froward things. And it says in verse 13 that he leaves the paths of uprightness. Now this has to do with the wicked man's focus. All right, think about the focus of the wicked man is to leave that which is upright, the paths of uprightness. So it's, he's not content with staying where there is uprightness. And uprightness it comes from a word that means to have a foundation that will cause you to stand. Now, y'all know Brother Tim does not like, aside from a huge, huge cruise ship, I just don't want to get on a boat. I mean, I might get a boat in a lake. Now, I'm not talking about fishing in the lake, but I mean out on the ocean. And y'all have heard me tell the story about when I took Sister Tracy 
out on a catamaran on our eighth anniversary. I lost my mind because I was so in love. And, you know, and we're going to have dinner on this catamaran with, you know, about 20 other people. And we're going to sail along the coast and just have this romantic, wonderful time until we turned south and got around the point and the wind got out of our face. And Brother Jim, the old Navy guy here, is laughing. But I don't know how Brother Jim did it all those, all those years, above the, above the water and below the water. And when the, when the wind got out of my face, I'm, I'm, I'm a goner. I mean, I, I have no steady. And the swells were like 40 feet. I'm, I'm done. Didn't get to eat. Lost all my money. They wouldn't even give us a to-go box. <laughs> you know, lost all. It was not romantic at all. I had, no, I had no foundation to stand on. I was just in a constant swaying mode. And that's what this man does, is he leaves the solid foundation upon maybe which he was brought up in a godly house or maybe went to church. Did you know, did you know how many, statistically, how many of, of God's children, they are, they are God's children in the young people category, who when they graduate or they go through transitions in life, you know, they leave the church of God. I'm not just talking about primitive Baptists. That's not just a primitive Baptist problem. That's a, that's a cross-the-board denominational problem where the numbers are just going down, down, down. Everybody's losing every year. I, I get this email that updates you on statistics and so forth in the ministry. And across the board, all groups of religious worship and observation are, are losing young people. That's a scary thought whenever you think about how that generation is going to operate whenever they have kids. That's going to be a disaster. You think it's bad now. <laughs> and I'm not here preaching gloom and doom because you sitting here and listening and the young folks that are going out into the world, you are the hope of the future but based on your staying on stable ground. So there's hope. You know, one person standing on stable ground is better than 10,000 who are walking in ways of darkness. It's better. You're going to feel like the long ranger at some times. I know I did. Growing up where we went to church way out in the backwoods of Lamar County, I really thought in my mind, many times I would lay awake at night pondering and thinking, we're the only people left in the world that believe the truth. Of course, that's not true. Not that I was like Elijah at all, because I wasn't. But it kind of sounds like the thinking of Elijah. Is there anybody else out there? There's nobody else out there but me. And I felt that way growing up. It was such a relief to come to the old Baptist church and find other truth believers that I had things in common with. I didn't feel so alone anymore. That's why Solomon said that two are better than one. You see, you know, it's better to be two than it is one because it's encouraging. This wicked man leaves the paths of uprightness. It says, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. This is the third characteristic of the wicked man, to walk in the ways of darkness. Notice that is his direction. He goes in the way of darkness. Now, I won't bore you again with stories of how at times in my life I've been in complete abject darkness physically in darkness. But that's a scary thing. And the interesting thing about the evil man is he doesn't even know that he's in darkness. He just walks on his way thinking that he's going the right way because it's the way he wants to go. But he's walking in darkness. You know, you ever heard the saying, well, that person's just in the dark. You know, they're just in the dark on this issue. That's what that means right there. They're in the dark. In the dark, you bump around and bump into a lot of stuff, don't you? And you hurt yourself. That's the third characteristic, to walk in the way of darkness. The fourth characteristic has to do with 
the fact that he has no conviction. No conviction about sin. It says, verse 14, who rejoice to do evil. No conviction about themselves. No conviction about sin. Uh, rejoicing to do evil. Rejoice is that word that I've used often in the Hebrew that is, is an alliteration. You know, it's a word, a word picture, samach. And he, this guy literally is, is gleeful. He, he brings, it brings him great joy to do things that are evil. He has no personal conviction. He, when this guy gets caught up doing something, it might be something immoral, it might be a crime or whatever. This guy, is, he's just sorry he got caught. He's not sorry for his sin. You see that? So he has no conviction. In the, it says that he rejoices to do evil. And the word, the definition of evil here, it means perversity. It means to be ungovernable. Not, I love this when it, when it says um, the root word of rejoicing of, uh, to do evil. It says that he is ungovernable and not yielding to the heat or to the hammer. The heat has no effect on him. And when he gets hammered, it has no effect on him. He just keeps doing the same thing again. See? But he, he makes merry. He brightens up to do evil. <laughs> and he delights. This is the fifth characteristic. He delights in the frowardness of the wicked. This means first he has no, no conviction for self. And then he has no conviction for what other people do. You know, it's their life. They can do what they want to do. He has no conviction for what the wickedness that other people are doing. And a matter of fact, he kind of rejoices in it. It says that he delights in it. In the backwardness of the wicked. By the way, the word froward right there, frowardness, it's the Hebrew word havak, which sounds very close to our word havoc. Havoc. And it, there's also reference in Deuteronomy 29 and 23 where it talks about the perversity of Sodom and Gomorrah, where God destroyed it. Okay, you see, you see what this guy, it's not just that he rejoices in something like that, but he's tolerant of it. You know, he just go along to get along. You know, it's their thing, let them do their thing. He rejoices or delights in the perversion of the wicked. See, he won't turn the TV off whenever that wickedness comes on. Are y'all with me? Y'all, I'm trying to get it as clear as possible. When, when that sodomistic, homosexual advertisement now or lifestyle is presented in that show, no matter how much you love that show, this guy will not turn it off. The show means more to him than the, than the little bit of poison that has been put in that show to poison the mind. See? Y'all are mighty quiet today. Okay, look at the six characteristics. It says, whose ways are crooked. Y'all remember the old Mother, Go Mother Goose rhyme? You know, the prophet Mother Goose? Y'all remember her? There was a crooked man and he walked a crooked mile. He found a crooked sixpence against a crooked style. He bought a crooked cat, which called a crooked mouse. And they all lived together in a little crooked house. Y'all never heard that prophet, prophetess, Mother Goose? <laughs> this man, is, his ways are crooked. His ways are crooked. And notice it, it also carries the idea that he walks with crooked companions. They're also crooked. His buds, his pals, his friends, his companions are also crooked. And it's interesting, it says whose ways are crooked. The word ways right there is a little different than another place where you'll see you know, the path or the way. That word way, is the definition is like a, like a caravan, like a traveling caravan as it goes along. So it's more than just the wicked man going along by himself. 
He's got a caravan or an entourage. You're always going to find the wicked man with other people. He's never going to be just isolated, see? I think as Brother Josh Coker pointed out in Proverbs, the first chapter, that the wicked man, the wicked of the world, are always trying to get you to hop on the us bus. He says, come join us. Come let us have the same purse. Come let us be together and do the things that we want to do and not you know, be answering for it. You know, he, he's always trying to get you on the us bus. And there's a, there's, it's a bus. There's a lot of people on it. See? The crooked caravan of the wicked man goes along. Whose ways are crooked, verse 15, and they froward in their past. You see how many times that occurs again and again? Okay, this, is, this has to do with the wicked man's personal travel habits. He travels with a caravan of wickedness and wicked people. And it also says that he is froward himself in his past. I know I'm giving you several definitions here, but they're just too good to pass up. The definition of froward here is the Hebrew word lose. And it makes me think of loser. This guy's a loser. He's a loser in marriage. He's a loser in school. He's a loser in his relationships. He's a loser. He's a loser all the way around. He brings nothing but trouble and doubt and shame. That's his personal travel habits. And, and this guy thinks that nobody even sees where he's going or what he's doing. He is froward, backwards, or perverse in his travel habits. And this is in direct contradiction to God's Word. This is Genesis 3 and 1 where it says that Eve was in the garden and Satan was there and Satan comes to her and says, God said that you can't eat of all the fruit of the trees in the garden. And Eve says, we can eat of all the trees except for one. And because the Lord has told us that in the day that we eat thereof, we will, uh, we will die. And Satan says, what? Ye shall not surely die. You see, that is frowardness. That's classic backwardness. That's classic perversity. And we live in a culture of perversity. You see, the word perverse is where we get the word pervert. So you can see the, the, the ultimate end of perverseness in its worst form leads you to a place like a perversion like a pervert. Okay? And then you start moving back this side of pervert and you've got perversion after perversion. And so you ask yourself... I may be surrounded by perversion. Every time you turn on the TV, every time you look on the phone, every time you, you, you go out to the workplace, it just may be everywhere. It's hard to get away from it, is it not? But you can, child of God. And it's by identifying those that are not going in that direction. You see? Now, let's consider in the last few minutes the strange woman. Here it says in verse 16, when the Word of God, when the wisdom of God becomes real to you personally, you will be on high alert for the evil man and for the strange woman. It says to deliver thee from the strange woman. Now, the word strange just means foreign, okay? In the, in the economy or the culture of Israel, they often referred to the stranger, okay? And it was more or less saying somebody who is not from here. My grandmother McCool, who grew up in, over in Lamar County, and then she married and moved into Zion and to Pickens County, Anytime somebody came around that wasn't from Zion and maybe from, you know, Lamar County where she was from, she'd say, oh, they're from off. <laughs> you know, and growing up, I had no idea where the land of off was. I mean, it was, I, where is this off? You know, maybe we need to travel there. It sounds interesting. These people we're seeing are kind of interesting. And what she was saying is they're a foreigner to where she was. Y'all get that? And that's what this strange woman is. She's not familiar She's someone you don't know. Now, this listen, 
It does not mean that you need to be terrified of every man or woman or person that you meet. It doesn't mean that. There is a way to get to know them, but you've got to do it on God's terms. See, you don't do it on man's terms or go you know, and, and try to find out, is this person a strange woman or an evil man? You, know, you don't do it by the terms of the world. If you'll test it by the Word of God, you will find out. And you know what? The, that all adds up to give it time. You've got to give it time. This, this Word of God is the great time tester. It, it, it is, it is time-worn and proven, and it will show you, does this person have my best interest in mind, or do they not? The strange woman is a foreign to you. She is unknown and unfamiliar. Notice it says, and, and by the way, if you look at this carefully, you'll see that the evil man characteristics, the seven characteristics of the evil man, track almost identically the themes of the seven characteristics of the perfectly strange woman, perfectly evil woman. There's seven characteristics for her too. And it says, first of all, her speech. The same thing that the wicked man, it says he speaks forward. You know, well here you notice the strange woman by her speech. And it says that she flatters with her words. You ever heard the saying, you know, flattery will get you nowhere. Absolute lie. <laughs> flattery is not something that can be overlooked. Flattery will get you somewhere. And for the strange woman, she lives off of her flattery of others to get what she wants in a wicked way. You know, flattery in and of itself is not an evil thing. You understand that? It's just like I've said a thousand times. These little devices are not in and of themselves evil things. You know, a pistol, a gun is not an evil thing. It's the use of those things. So this woman uses flattery in a way that is ungodly and inappropriate to get what she wants. Flattery will get you in trouble if you buy into it. Notice the second characteristic talks about her focus. She forsaketh the guide of her youth. Her focus is the same as the wicked man. You know, it says he leaves the paths of, of right, uprightness. Well, here she forsaketh the guide of her youth. Think about it. It, it gives every indication here that this strange woman, as, as she's described right here, you know, very well could be a child of God. But whether or not she is is not the point. Okay, the point is that she's been taught what is right and what is wrong, and she leaves that. See? She forsaketh the guide of her youth. And that is a dangerous place for the strange woman to be, but it's also a dangerous place for an individual to interact with the strange woman. So, I mean, you might see it like this. You know, here was somebody that came up, raised up, going to church. Okay, well then, later in life, she forsakes the guide of her youth and she doesn't go to church anymore. Or she rejects all of those things that relate to spirituality. You know, it's not, the question is not, is she a child of God or not? It is the, the characteristic of someone who forsakes what is right and what is good, you see? So think about it. You have a familiar friend. She has a familiar friend. She has a mother or she has a, a mentor or whatever. And they've told her the right way and instructed her in the right way. And she forsakes that. That is the second characteristic of the, the strange woman. And then it says that she forgets the covenant of her God. So that, that kind of sounds like this is a child of God. Don't ever go around thinking, well, you know, it's just us four and no more. We're the only children of God that there are. You know, that's not the way that it is. There's God's children everywhere and God's children get into bad situations and do terrible things. Look at David. Look at Bathsheba. Look at Solomon, married a thousand wives. I mean, children of God get into bad spots. 
But praise God, for the child of God, there's a way back, always. She forgets. She's oblivious. The word means to mislay, to to lose something. You ever lost anything? I'm telling you, I'm so glad that I'm not in charge of my salvation because I'd lose it just like that. I, I lose my keys. I lose, I lose my new iPad that Sister Tracy wonderfully gave me for my birthday. Where's my iPad? You know, I, I lose everything. I get to the office and I don't have my key and nobody's there and I can't get inside and I just scratch my head. What's wrong with me? I'm so glad that I don't, I don't have the charge of my salvation. I can't even keep up with my phone or my iPad or my keys. Lord knows if I didn't keep the four or five pairs of shoes that I have together right there, I mean, I'd, I'd be looking. I don't see how you ladies do it with your 30 or 60 pair. No wonder you spend all that time cleaning up your rooms and stuff because you don't know where that one pair among the 60 are. I can barely keep up with my, you know, my, my boots and my little dress shoes I've got and the other pair of dress shoes and the other pair of dress shoes and the tennis shoes and the running. I got about six pairs. Some of you men are going there. Boy, he's a wimp. <laughs> You know you've got five or six pair, too. You've got your work boots, you've got your, you know, your play boots, or whatever, okay? I can't keep up with anything. I mislay stuff all of the time. And, and this woman, she mislays the covenant of her God, the covenant of Elohim. She may be a child of God, but she forgets that and walks with evil men and women. Look at the next characteristic. It says, she forsaketh the God of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. Verse 18, this is so sad. For her house inclineth unto death. She has no personal conviction about her own conduct. I can do anything I want to do. Her house inclines, which is kind of a misnomer, isn't it? Usually you decline into something. But this house, as you go up the steps of her house, a person is walking down into death. And the word death means ruin. She kills, and I don't mean with a knife or with a gun, but she will destroy and kill the life of a young man. And she doesn't care. She has no personal conviction about that whatsoever. Her house inclines to death, and her paths unto the death, unto death. Notice her paths means that she has no conviction about others that she's leading to death and ruin, just like the wicked man. She has no personal conviction about who she is destroying. And notice the word dead right there, it means a ghost. So what I get, we don't believe in ghosts. The Word of God doesn't teach ghosts. Uh, But what I get out of that is, is she does not care who she destroys and she will render a man just a shell of what he was. She She will gut him and destroy him to where there's nothing left of him. And he, could, he cannot be what God intended for him to be because he's gone with her into the house of the dead. He said, Brother Tim, I just can't visualize this person. Have you ever seen the advertisement of the housewives of whatever city? Please don't watch that. It's horrible. Maybe if you've got to understand something about it, just maybe look at a picture and laugh and then maybe read a blurb about what that particular show is about because it's, it's horrible, horrible stuff. But have you seen those women on those shows? Uh, you know, they all look alike. You ever notice that? Their, their lips are blown up. Their faces are blown up. You know, they all look alike. There's no distinction because after you do that to yourself, the next thing you know, you, you look exactly alike. 
Am I the only one that gets this? I know Sister Tracy gets it because she's laughing because we talk about this a lot. They all look alike. And all of those women are the strange woman. Their lives are disasters. Their marriages are disasters. Their endeavors are the paths of the dead. And you've seen the poor saps that get under the sway of their witchery. And the next thing you know, they're dead too. Some of them have physically died. You see, they all look alike. You can see what they look like. And by the way, the way things are going, you know, it's not just these middle-aged women that are doing those type of things to themselves. It's younger and younger and younger because if it's on TV, if it's on the, the tube, if it's on the squawk box, you just think, well, that's what I'm supposed to look like. <laughs> oh, listen to me. This is sort of a side note, but you young sisters and middle-aged sisters and older sisters, you set yourself apart in your godliness and your, the fruit of your godly labor. You don't have to set yourself apart by the way that Hollywood presents itself. So praise God for you. Praise God for your conviction. You can see the strange woman. Listen, the strange woman sometimes appears in an individual's workplace. You know, she's, you know, she seems to have it all together. She is one that's got the right words to say. She's very, you know, has a lot of flattery of what she says. And, and she looks sharp. She looks like she's got it all together. And the next thing you know, that poor sap who maybe is having problems at home with his marriage, he thinks, well, you know, that, that might be a better option for me. And the next thing you know, he's going into the paths of the dead. There is no better option than the covenant that a man has made with his wife. You see, there is no better option. Are you going to have always free from trouble and always free from uh, issues? No, because you got two sinners under one household. But you understand when you see that, and, and look, I know some of you, some of you sisters, we had a good talk about this here not too long ago. And some of you sisters think, well, well, how in the world am I going to find somebody when the housewives of Atlanta or L.A. or D.C. or whatever is all anybody sees and all anybody wants to be like? By the grace of God, you'll find somebody. And you won't find them by going into those places with the dead. You will not find them by going into the bar rooms and sitting on the corner of a bar and waiting for a barmaid to come along or waiting for a barman to come along. So you walk in the paths of the righteous, walk in the paths of light, and that's where you'll find yourself as a Ruth or as a Boaz or in his early life as a Solomon and his true love. See? Don't get sucked into those things. Those things are death. She has no conviction on her personal actions and she has no convictions on who she destroys. Her paths lead, paths lead unto the dead. Now watch verse 19 because it's very sad. None that go unto her return again. This is, the, this is the sixth characteristic. And it speaks to her companions. None that go unto her. You see, people go unto her. Girls, young ladies follow a woman like this because they think she's the trendsetter, the innovator. And men follow after this because they're gawking with their eyes and they're overwhelmed by you know, whatever it is they're overwhelmed by. But none that go unto her return again. See, that's her companions. And then it says, neither take they hold of the paths of life. 
because they go unto her and because her personal travel habits, her personal walk is away from God, away from uprightness, away from truth and right, then those that go to her and are awed by her are overwhelmed by whatever it is about her, then they cannot take hold of the true meaning of life. You see? Because they're taking hold of her. And they're awed by her. And they're dazzled by her and the things that she peddles and what she says. They can't take hold of the true meaning of life. To step back from that, somebody might say, well, what is the true meaning of life? Christ is the true meaning of life. The Lord Jesus Christ is the true meaning of life in your work, in your school, in your marriages, in your friendships. But to find Christ there, and you cannot find Christ walking in the way of the dead with a strange woman. You see that? Okay. As we close our thoughts here today, I want you to think about Genesis the sixth chapter. Because Genesis the sixth chapter, and just those few verses there, they cover what I have been over here with the strange man, the evil man, strange woman, the evil woman. Because that's what happened in Genesis 6 when children of God went and chose spouses from the wicked or from the strange women of the world at that time. You know, there were basically two societies, two cultures in existence at that point. There was the culture of Seth who came down from Adam and then there was the culture of Cain who had killed his brother and gone off to live east of Eden somewhere, way off somewhere. And those two cultures were headed on a head-on collision. And the head-on collision was not necessarily between the two cultures, but it was a head-on collision with God. And so it all started because those children of God began to look over there and say, wow, look at how they're dressing Wow, look at what they're doing. They're, they're blowing up their lips. <laughs> wow, look at all the makeup they're wearing. I'm not against makeup. I'm not against dressing nice. The Word of God teaches moderation. But hear what I'm saying. Because they were trendsetters over there. You can read about those trendsetters in Genesis 5. They were trendsetters when it came to how to make money, how to make a living. They were trendsetters when it came to things like tools and weaponry. They were trendsetters whenever it came to entertainment. They invented those things. And the poor little children of God sitting over here said, we're just too bored sitting here. It looks so exciting over there. It looks so amazing over there. Let's go hang out over there. And let's see what's going on over there. And so they walked over there and they went over there and began to interact and have commerce and communication with those, those innovators and those trendsetters. And the next thing you know, somebody's marrying somebody from over there. And the next thing you know, they're having kids and, and look, I'm just going to say it. They, if you want, there's a, there's a, this is a total side note, and y'all going to think I'm tra chasing a rabbit trail, but I'm trying to make the point to you. When I was growing up and, and becoming a parent, there was Dr. Spock, you know, who said you can't spank your kids, you can't, you know, chasing your kids, you know, it's punishment. It's not punishment if you do it according to the Word of God. Nowadays, there's the gentle parenting movement. Okay, I want you to understand that the gentle parenting movement is what happened in Genesis the sixth chapter. Because the dads went to discipline their kids who were from over here with Seth, the, the culture and the society of Seth, they went to discipline their kids and the wife said, you better not touch him. I'm going to report you to DHR if you touch him. <laughs> 
Let him be what he is. Let him go where he wants to go and do what he wants to do. Gentle parenting, not just that, but things like that is what led to the destruction of both of those societies. Read it. It says that the children of those unions grew up to be bullies. They grew up to do whatever they wanted to do, say whatever they wanted to say, kill whoever they wanted to kill. Need I go on? Assault whoever they wanted to assault, hurt whoever they wanted to hurt, because they had no restraint given to them from their parents. You know, I've joked and said before, my, my mom and dad, they didn't spank me enough. Don't amen that, mom. <laughs> they didn't spank me enough. I needed more. <laughs> And I would never have said that to you at seven years old when I was going, ah, this hurts. You know, but looking back, I needed more spankings. I needed more instruction. I needed more discipline in that area. It would have done me more good. It did me good what they did, but it would have done me more good. You want to know what's going on in the book of Genesis, the sixth chapter? The evil man and the strange woman are dominating the landscape. So, well, that's what, 4,000 years ago? You know, 5,000 years ago, whatever. Doesn't really have an application today. Are you kidding me? The evil man and the strange woman dominate the landscape today. They're everywhere. Yes, they're at the bar. Yes, they're at the school. Yes, they're on the tube. Yes, they're in the phone. They're everywhere. You have to be cautious and careful. They're in music. They're in entertainment. They're in the business world. They're everywhere. You say, Brother Tim, we just got to get out of this world in order to get away from them. Ultimately, that is true, yes. And ultimately, the Lord will deliver us out of this world away from that. But understand, until then, we need to fight the good fight of faith. We need to stand firm in who we associate with and who we interact with because the evil man and the strange woman, they're on the prowl. They want you to get on the us bus. Get on the bus with us. Let's all join together. And if they can ever get their hooks in you, it is an act of Congress, an act of God, really. I shouldn't say act of Congress because they're not getting anywhere. But an act of God to get those hooks out of you. Once they get their hooks in you, it might be money. It might be relationship. It might be politics. It might be business endeavors. But once they get their hooks in you, it's very difficult to get those hooks out, but you can by the grace of God. And if you look at these descriptions here and you say, my goodness, I got a few of these characteristics in my own life. I need to repent. That's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to repent. It's a wonderful thing to draw closer to the Lord. I hope and pray that everyone under the sound of my voice and especially our graduates, I hope that wisdom will be real in your heart. I hope that it will hit home in your mind so that you can look as you walk, as you go to college, or you go into the workplace, or you seek a wife, or you seek a husband. I hope and pray that wisdom will be key for you. And you'll say, you know, I remember a sermon, or I've studied this myself, and I see, my goodness, this is the evil man coming after me, or just there. And this is the strange woman. Somebody told me years ago that I would go in unto the dead if I went into this evil person. I hope you have that kind of conviction. But here's the funny part. It's interesting how conviction works. When you're young, you know, sometimes your conviction kind of wanes. You know, you kind of wax and wane with that conviction. You know, because it's transitional. You think, well, this, does, this looked bad to begin with. My parents told me this was bad. But then when I get up close to it and I look and I say, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. When I learned to weld... 
And I was a kid, and my dad told me, son, don't look at the welding arc. Don't look at it, that bright arc. It looks like a bright little sun. He said, don't look at it, because if you do, you'll go blind. And I literally thought that the moment that I looked at that welding arc, I would go blind. And so I, was, I would avoid it like the plague. You know, and then one time, I don't know, I think I was walking through the shop, you know, and Daddy was welding. I looked over there, I was like, oh, oh. You know, I'm like, I can see. What, what, did Daddy lie to me? No, he didn't lie to me. He said, if you keep looking at that ark, it will destroy your eyes. But it wasn't a one-time thing. Maybe he should have explained that a little bit better to me. But then, I, then, I, it, was, then it was like I couldn't help myself. Every time I'd walk by, I'd be like, mm, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's how, that's how ridiculous I am. That's how ridiculous my natural self is. I just have to force myself to turn away because I'm like, it's not, it's, I'm not going blind. I'm not going blind. I'm not going blind. I'm not going blind. I would never do that today, especially at 52, because I think some of the reason I've lost some of my eyesight now and need these little fellas so soon is because I did that. God help me. I'm a mess. But you know what? You're a mess too. So young people, middle-aged people, older people, please let the Word of God embrace it. Let it strike your heart. There's dangerous people out there the evil man is a dangerous person and he wants to devour you. The strange woman is an evil person and she wants to render you useless and a shell of the person that you were. May God bless us to be cautious of these things.